friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. And welcome to this week's episode of Becoming Buffy, Passion. Excellent episode. I'm so stoked for this episode. This is like the first episode that I thought of when we talked about doing the podcast where I was like, this is the episode I want to get to. Well, when we yeah. first started, like I kept thinking about all the episodes I was really excited for. And like I immediately think of all the great ones in season two because it's like the closest one. But season two is like one of my absolute favorite seasons. So this episode is like... It's like great to watch, heartbreaking, but also just such a phenomenal episode. And it's just, yeah, I'm super excited to dig deep into it. Before we get too far, we actually have a special guest with us this week. We have our brother, David, with us. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're probably wondering at this point how many siblings we actually have. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's four of us. Because Don't worry. I'm sure there are more that will pop in every once in a while. But David, do you want to share a little bit about how you came across Buffy and what you think of the show? So I actually got started watching Buffy because of Sarah. Yes. Now I skipped the majority (laughs) of the first season because I was like, wow, this is really (laughs) A normal viewer, yep. But then I came back to it later and uh, I watched the entire season and I'm in the middle of uh, starting a rewatch and I skipped a little bit forward and watched Passion with my siblings and I'm here to talk about it. Yeah, which I feel a little bad because I think Passion is kind of a very meaty episode. Yeah. <laughs> and so for someone who hasn't seen the show in a little bit, it's like, oh, right yes, in. this, this episode is very painful. It's got a lot. So I think this episode is so powerful because a lot of times in supernatural shows and stuff, death is not really considered a mm. big deal. Yeah. Like, mm. um, I've, I think I've talked about it a few times, but I like just finished Empire Diaries. I've seen a lot of other like supernatural shows, even like Doctor Who and like other things like that, where death is just something that happens because people are super powerful and sometimes, you know, accidents happen. And so it's not really treated as something that is actually like Doctor Who treats death super seriously. Yes, and for the most part, it does. But like, (laughs) if you really think about the amount of casualties that happened on that show, it's insane. Um, But overall, like with Buffy, I'm always super impressed by the fact that when deaths happen, you really, really, really feel it. And I think that this is the first episode of to show that that like Mm -hmm. death in this show is treated as a big deal, which it is. But it's just, it makes it feel way more realistic because even the way that, I mean, and we'll talk about it later, but the way that, you know, she ends up dying isn't necessarily a mystical thing. Well, the reason why death is such a big deal in Buffy, and I know we've mentioned this like a couple times before, but they set up such like frigid rules they're like if you break this like it's gonna be a major deal so that's why it's like really intense that like angels not angelus so like there's a huge like weight to it because it's like wow we've seen angel as such a great character and we've seen vampires without a soul and how awful they are so to see angelus like that is really daunting but then also to see him like kill someone that we really care about mm-hmm. is like really really weighty Mm -hmm. and like we have so many rules in the show that like when somebody does die it's like 
Holy crap. Like, yeah. And he didn't even drain her. We'll get, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. It also shows that Angelus is really not Angel anymore. Yes. Yes. Like you might've held out a little bit of hope that Mm -hmm. Angel's somewhere still in there. But now that Angelus does this, it really removes the fact that Angel is no longer there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good point because, and I will talk about it as we get through the episode, but I think that one of the biggest things I realized in this episode was because there hadn't been any deaths, because there hadn't really been something with the exception of Jesse in the first season, but that wasn't really like, you know, a huge That was deal. more for the characters exactly. and not so much for us. Exactly. And so it was like, you kind of had this feeling of like, everyone's invincible. And like, mm-hmm. and even the way that Giles handles Angel, the way that Xander handles Angel, like everyone except for Buffy is kind of like, eh, like, it's not a big deal. Like, he's just, you know, he's just stalking you. He's just being, you know, a vampire without a soul. And I think that this was the first step of showing like, no, like this is someone who you need to take seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we get too far, again, we have to put our up our disclaimer that this is going to be the spoiler free section. So if you have uh, not seen the rest of Buffy, don't worry about it. We won't spoil anything past this episode. But anyway, all right, you guys ready to jump into it? Let's do so it. Ready. Yep. All right. So. Season two, episode 17, Passion. Just a few things about this episode. So Josh said, "Um, I wrote this episode because no one is safe. Death is scary and real. And Angel is not just a little evil. He's truly evil. And Buffy Mm -hmm. needs to address the situation. So because at this point, a lot of shows put themselves in a hard situation where they have a character who was good go evil. And they're always dancing around the line of how evil do we make them? Yeah, because right. they know if they make them truly evil, then there's going to be no redeeming coming right. or like no coming back from that. No redeeming that character. Mm-hmm. People, audiences won't like them as much. But in this one, they wrote Angel and Angelus really well because you can go full evil with Angelus because it's a completely different character, right. even though they're kind of the same. You know what I mean? So I think it was really gutsy of joss to do that and i applaud him for it because it it added a sense of um just weightiness to the show that it didn't have before yeah and i think that um it's easy to kind of write angel off and be like you know if we wanted to redeem him or something and just be like oh well he only killed people you know that we didn't see or like you know but i think that the fact that Joss Whedon was kind of like gutsy enough to kill someone off, not only someone that we had grown to love since the first season, but also someone who was very, very close to all of the characters. Like she was a teacher to all of the students. Um, We see her have close interactions with every single like main character in at some point in time, even in this episode. But also she is in like a close relationship with Giles. So it's going to hit home even for him. So the fact that he got rid of a impactful character is a really like ballsy and gutsy move for a writer to do. And to do it in such an emotionally destructive way. Like yeah. The way that Giles finds her body, like you Ugh. feel so oh much my gosh. because you know exactly what he's going to find. Yeah. And you know exactly yeah. the emotional toil is going to take for him. Yeah. So Taking uh, such a beloved character and removing them, but doing it in such a harmful way, yep. it's like a, a double emotional gut punch. Yeah. And then knowing that Buffy has to do something about that at the mm-hmm. end. I, I mean, I, I don't remember how I felt when I first watched this, but I, but I would imagine like as this was airing and you were viewing it, being like, 
oh my gosh, like what is Buffy going to do? Like she can't kill Angelus. Like what if Angel comes back? Like there's just like this whole, you know, because it is someone that was so close to Buffy and to the gang that fought beside them in Prophecy Girl and, you know, all these other big battles. It's it just lends itself to being an incredible villain. Yeah. But I should probably start from like the first scene just because I feel like we're going to go through all the points. (laughs) I know. The hard thing about this episode is that there's so much. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. Absolutely. Um, A couple other things I want to say is uh, it was written by Ty King, but Joss kind of came and took a Sharpie to a lot of what this guy wrote and kind of put in his own stuff and rewrote like... um, Angelus's speech throughout the uh, episode, you know, his little oh, voiceover. Yes, his monologue. Yes, a lot of things are rewritten by Joss. And throughout the first few seasons, that happens a ton where Joss goes and does heavy rewriting um, with things, which makes a lot of sense why the show feels very cohesive. Like you can yeah. tell it's Joss speaking through the the tone and the verbiage used. That'd be so frustrating. Could you imagine right. like writing a really cool episode and you're like, hey, like Joss, like look at what I wrote. And he's just like, mm, I'm going to fix it. And yeah, like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I am not worthy. This episode was also directed by Michael Gershman. He's the director of photography for the entire show. And this was his directorial debut, not just for the show, but just in general. This is the first time he's ever directed. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, which is, I'm like, wow, that is like an incredible script to get for your first time doing this. Could you imagine having this on your credentials? Like someone's like, oh, what work have you done? You're like, oh, well, this was the first thing I did. I hire him on the spot. Right. But he is really interesting because Buffy was shot on a 14 millimeter camera or like lens i don't speak photography or or um anything that has to do (laughs) i don't speak photography i don't speak anything that has to do with cameras behind the um behind the camera or anything like that but from what he's talked about it he said that he doesn't prefer it because it makes everything very flat and so in order to create depth and um make the the subjects look interesting he created a lot of light and contrast between dark and light and so you'll see in this episode in particular like when angelus is chasing jenny yeah, you have the flashes between the light dark light dark and it's all over the episode lighting was actually something that i noticed uh, even at the beginning when um, Dan- Buffy's dancing in the club, yes. mm-hmm. she has a spotlight um, kind of shining on yeah. her. And Angelus is, you know, shrouded in shadow, dressed in all black in the corner, watching yep. her. I found that kind of interesting, just the, the juxtaposition of um, Buffy, like the, the picture of innocence, you know, in a, a spotlight. Then you yep. have Angelus, who's, you know, kind of like an angel of death over in the corner. Yeah. yeah. I um, There is a couple, like, scenes in here where um, the color red was on Angelus. Yep. And in my mind, I'm like, when I think of like passion, I think of like red. Yep. I think of like a bright color. Um, And I'll I'll point out the scenes to you when they come along. Mm -hmm. But I just was like, oh, I like that's really interesting. Like one in particular, I'll explain a little bit further. But yeah. Yeah. So he he says he uses colors and pools of color to set up contrast. And so like you see that a lot throughout the entire show. We've talked about the use of color. We've talked about the use of light and dark and contrast. But I think this episode is really pronounced because you have the guy that does the lighting that's actually behind the camera. So he hunts for it. He looks for it. He sets up the shot so that it draws attention to that. And I just think that makes this episode particularly very beautiful. You know, one other thing about lighting that I found interesting is, uh, especially, you know, in the beginning when you have that contrast, it just kind of um, shows how this whole show does gender reversal a little bit um, in 
a different way than most shows yeah. and in a very interesting way. Cause in most shows and in life in general, a lot of times when you have a, a girl who, um, you know, loses her virginity for the first time, it's a loss. And she almost in the eyes of, of most people, she loses something about herself. And in this show it's reversed where angel loses something about herself mm. and Buffy actually retains her innocence and oh wow that's a good idea i, I found that i found that interesting mm-hmm. where you have buffy you know and even in the next scene where she's in her bed and her you know her walls have butterflies on them and she's mm-hmm. dressed in all white it's very symbolic of innocence yeah and angel becomes the angel loses part of it all yeah uh, because of that act so i found that role reversal very interesting yeah it is yeah. this episode i feel like is the bookend to innocence like you have innocence, mm-hmm. and then you have like I think it's one or two episodes between that, and then you have this one. And I it's always just, think they're back to back. Yeah, right. But it, it's like a good bookend, and it's uh, yeah. We'll get to the rest of it, but just to finish up the intro. Sorry, I know this is a lot, but this is a heavy episode. Um, originally, Oz was supposed to die, not Jenny Calendar. I knew this, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. And the reason why they chose Jenny over Oz is they felt like um, Oz had some interesting places that they wanted to go with as a character versus Jenny. They're like, this would be super impactful for Giles mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, And they wanted to push the story arc forward with him. But I just thought like, how different would the show be if it had been Oz that had died? Also, there could be some really interesting storylines they could use in the future where like Giles doesn't really trust Angel or Giles doesn't trust Buffy's intuition when Mm -hmm. it comes to Angel. Like it could be there's so much they could do because like Giles is her like father figure. He's the one that she goes to when she's like worried or like needs advice. So it just is really a smart move to kind of kill Jenny to kind of like, I don't know, possibly use that in the future. And also I think that maybe this is the evil in me, but I also think in a way that Giles needed to be affected by slaying as much as everyone else is. And I think that, well, I guess Xander and Willow aren't affected as much at this point but Buffy herself is completely controlled by slang she is controlled in every area of her life by slang and you see that you see the effect it has on her on her relationships on everything and so I think that and I've talked I already talked about it in the beginning of the episode but like it's interesting to me that Buffy is was so concerned about Angelus and was like he was in my house he like I you know I found the drawing my mom was there and she's freaking out and then you know, Giles is just very like, well, like, it's fine. Like, we'll, we'll deal with it. You you can't let your passions control you is what right. he said. Yep. Yep. And so I love the fact that I know Joss Whedon did that on purpose because he wanted to set Giles up for kind of regretting the fact that he was so um, passive. Passive. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, but I like the fact that as a watcher, you are not immune to getting hurt in this, you know, in the job. And so I like that Giles is affected in some way. Is it sad? Did he deserve that? Absolutely not. But I, I do like that he's affected. I think like his title is very like fitting. And I know I've talked about this before, but he's very he's viewed his job title as what it's named as a watcher. So I think and especially we've seen this in the first season and we've mentioned this before, but it's like he's like, oh, you need to hone in on your, you know, senses or whatever. He needs is very like by the book. And I think this is the first time we've seen Giles kind of like what Leo was saying, be affected by it. And it's like, wow, this is like like this is going to affect Buffy's life the rest of her life. And if it's going to affect all of ours, like I can't imagine what Buffy has to go through. And so I have to adjust how I teach her things. You know, I, I wrote that down Lee as well, um, where Buffy or um, Buffy is kind of explaining that she feels unsafe because Angel was in a room and Giles says, uh, I, I know how you feel. And I felt like, well, you know, 
It's probably kind of how every girl rolls her eyes when she's like, oh, I'm scared at night when I walked my car. After yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her boyfriend's like, oh, I know how you feel. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you six foot five, you know, 250 pound man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not typecasting at all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump into the episode. We've already discussed Still half of it now. Dream. I know, I'm sorry. Okay, so the opening episode is an overhead shot in the bronze, which is just really an interesting way to start. And you have, like David was talking about, the spotlight on Buffy. You have um, lots of red lighting highlighting mm-hmm. the black. Specifically, you have kind of a golden light on Buffy, but then you have Angel lurking in the back. And I was struck by two things in this scene. You have... Uh, Xander and Buffy dancing while someone while Angel watches and Cordelia watches. Yeah, and where have we seen, yeah, where have we seen this before? Yeah. It was when in the first when she was bad. It was the first episode of the season when everyone's watching and Buffy has like that attitude. She's not quite herself and she goes and dirty dances with Xander. In this, obviously, there's a contrast between the way they're dancing now. Like it's very much friends. But I just thought that there was an interesting like comparison between that. And then on top of that, you have angel or angelus who is kind of sizing her up like he's the predator she's the prey and that reminds me of school hard when spike walks into the bronze with Mm -hmm. buffy dancing and he lurks back there and watches her as well so there's a lot of similarities and correlations they're trying to make um and it's just it's just creepy it's just really creepy he's very predator like yeah and i think that honestly when i was watching him watch her like another kind of, I know, watching him watch watching her, him. me watching them watch each other, Giles as the watcher. Watching <laughs> yeah. Um, Jenny from I the think, heavens. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Sorry, she wasn't dead <laughs> yet. Dead Never mind. Yet. Don't put him in the grape too soon. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, I think I kind of got more of the sense of season one when we don't really know who Angel is. We don't know if he's good or bad. And we would see him watching Buffy in the bronze and we were kind of like, hmm, like, is he her friend? Is he trying to mess with her? Like, and so I think that it was kind of, in my mind, it was kind of giving us a sense of like, we're back to that place with Angelus where we're like, what is he doing? We don't know who he is. We don't know what he wants. Like, and I, I think that anyone can interpret that scene any way they want. Obviously, we already have three different opinions about it, mm-hmm. but I just, it definitely Davis took doesn't me count. Back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, well, yes. Okay, There's four people in the room. <laughs> no, I think this episode does a good job of scaring us because you have them in the bronze, which is their happy place. Angel's there. You have Willow's house. Angel was there. You have Buffy's house. Xander, or not Xander, nobody cares about Xander. You yeah, have Giles' yeah. house. You know, you have all these places that are their most secure um, their bedrooms, their homes, where they should feel the most safe. And he's like violated every single one. And it's just creepy. Even their high school. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he kills in the high school too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So they're dancing the comparison and then they all leave the bronze as you have the voiceover. And it's interesting because Angel's drinking in the shadows and he has the girl there and he's holding her as a shield. And as soon as they pass by, he just kind of lets her fall. But I think it's kind of symbolic because it's almost like he has to drink to survive. But even as he's drinking someone else, he's still thinking about Buffy. Like he just can't get her off his mind. Well, even Willow says at the end of the episode, so yeah. she says, the um, one thing hasn't changed. You're still the only thing he thinks about. Totally. Which is like, you're like part of you is like, well, like, at least I made an impression on him when he has no soul. You're but like, also, like, I don't want him thinking no. about me anymore. And I think that part of that reason is, is that 
Buffy reminds Angelus of who Angel was. And so anytime he sees Buffy, all he can think about is the soul version of himself, which he hates. He hates everything about Angel. And so I think that anytime he sees Buffy, that's all he's reminded of. And I think that's why he's driven to this passionate, for lack of a better word, and kind of like obsessive point because he wants to bring Buffy down to such a corrupt and insane level because he wants to show that nothing is pure and that the person who made him pure isn't pure anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's also something that's a bit more chilling about it is Angelus and Angel are the same person. They only miss a soul. So the things that attracted Angel to Buffy are the things that attract Angelus to Buffy as well. And that makes it a little bit more chilling. It's not that there is a complete different personality that takes over. Is the same personality. It's just lacking a soul. So there's still a familiarity between Buffy and Angel. And it makes it that much more heartbreaking when Angel goes out and does something as chilling as what happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The lines feel a lot bl- more blurry right now than they did initially when it was like, oh, when a vampire takes over a person, like that's a completely different entity. There's no personality that's similar or anything. And now we're like, but Angelus is equally as obsessed with Buffy and we're starting to go, okay, why is that? Exactly. Yeah. And it could be, like Leah said, because Angelus hates how Buffy made Angel feel like a real person, like a real man. And in in part, Angelus made Angelus feel that way. Or it could be, hey, I see someone innocent and pure like he did with Drusilla and I want to taint that. There's something there. Yeah. I, I think we've also, we've talked a lot about the lighting, but I also really wanted to point out the music in this episode. So mm-hmm. good. This the, um, the switch from like normal, happy or like innocent music to like, horror and really intense is just clicking done. is just yes Whoa. it's done it very like well heartbeat, though yeah it does mm-hmm. um the christoph beck is just phenomenal starting season two you notice a huge change in the music like it's just gorgeous but this yeah. this um this song that is playing the like is called angel waits it's so creepy it's just creepy like especially because you have like angel watching buffy in the window like yeah anyway all right so buffy's in her window angel's watching her (laughs) and buffy goes to bed like you were talking about just that very innocent she looks very peaceful Mm -hmm. she's sleeping i just he's stroking her face like a child but even serious twilight vibes (laughs) (laughs) i think twilight got serious vibes from angel edward's taking notes about angel as the evil character edward's actually a secret buffy fan yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like even before like he comes in I love like the camera angle where it's like focusing on Buffy sleeping, but kind of like in the window, you see him just like watching and observing. And I just like, I like how they show that like, he's just kind of always there. Like, it's very cool. There's a lot of interesting transitions between Angelus to Angel face. Like they intentionally do it when he's watching her walk away with her friends from Angelus to Angel to show kind of that like, ooh, like, which is it? Even though we know Angel's Angelus right now is just very interesting. Um, they also have that moment where Buffy, like, she gets into bed. The last time we had Angel watching Buffy in her room, which was in the beginning of season two when she was bad, she sensed Angel's presence. In this one, she doesn't sense him at all, which I think yeah. is telling because Angel's not actually there. It's yeah. Angelus. I think it's also interesting because... 
Angel has never entered Buffy's house without asking, even though that is true. He, like, because you watch, like, anytime he'd show up at her window, anytime he'd be at her door, like, he would make a point to always ask if he could come. Yeah, in I mean, technically, he, he was on the inside of the window, but he still asked. Right, too. right, but he was. It was still like a, hey, can I come in? Even yeah. if he was in there, like, he would have left if she said no. And so, and I think that he made a point to say that, like, yes, I like I am a vampire and I can enter now whenever I want to. But I also think he always wanted to make her feel safe. Yeah. And I think that it's very interesting now that, like, obviously, he's not going to be like, hey, can I come in when he's like, Angela's? But <laughs> I think it's very interesting now. It's like a very subtle shift in showing that, like, he's using what he used to do against her. And, like, she, he made her feel so safe. And so now he's taking advantage of what Angel did to her. And he could just kill her. He could have just killed her so many times right there. But he's having fun torturing her. Yep. It's just so, it's yep. cruel. Well, then she wakes up and finds the envelope, which a lovely yeah. drawing. Oh, a- Angelus is an artist. Yeah, like, actually pretty good artist. I, <laughs> I, I saw a um, an edit that someone made. I don't remember who it was of um, Angel and Buffy moments. And I was like, oh, this is so sweet. And this fool put the the drawing of her in there. So I was like, do you know? <laughs> that was not a sweet I was, moment. I was like, what? I think, it's just, I think what's even creepier about it is the fact that like drawings take a long time. Like it wasn't something that he sat there and was like, Beep, he's okay, in the done. factory like, next to the, the fire fact, yeah, with like Drusilla's puppy. Like, <laughs> sat there for probably hours just like yep. sketching this out of her just at peace, knowing this, how much this was going to taunt her is probably one of the creepiest things to me. Like, and risking her mom walking in and like, it just, it's very like eerie to me. I mean, he could have drawn it wherever, but like, how, what a neat detail to put into your episode because it's could be it's something that normally is beautiful like oh you drew a picture of me but now it's terrifying you know what I mean and then he draws pictures of all her loved ones too it's like okay <laughs> we get the point yeah you're obsessed with me <laughs> you're a good, you're a good artist we get a it. life Angelus <laughs> he's just trying to show his talents <laughs> he starts like writing poetry for her he like sends her little like why don't you love me of, like him singing for her he's like he's like hey Buffy I want to kill you also, did you get my, <laughs> did you get my voice memo? <laughs> He's oh like, also gosh. trying to hit on her. <laughs> Super confused. <laughs> anyway. All right. So in the library, Buffy's like, hey, he was in my room today. And I think it's okay. So you'll notice that Tony Head is in the background and he's stamping books and stuff. And he was talking about in an interview, they asked him. Like if he's a method actor and Tony was like, no, I'm I don't I'm not a method actor, but I believe in doing things to help yourself as an actor. Um, And he gave this really cool quote. He says, I'm able to use discomfort and other things like that to get me in the right mood for things. He says, there are times when the director says, I want you over there, find something to do. Something I was pleased with the other day was that they stuck me behind my desk because it looked good in the shot. And I thought, what the heck am I going to do down here? Everyone else was on the other side of the library and Buffy was coming in to say something big. I think it was in passion when she comes to say the angel had been in her room. I decided to stamp the school address in the library books. Then because Buffy has said something earth shattering, I wandered into the same scene with the stamp in my hand. It was just a little thing, but those are the kinds of Mm. things that brings life into scenes. I don't look for props for their own sake. Mm. And I think Anthony Stewart Head does a phenomenal job of doing little things that look so natural and it 
it just makes you feel like that's an actual person with their own quirks. So I just love that he wanders in there and he's so distracted that he brings the stamp in with him. I know these all these actors and actresses do such a good job of portraying their characters that I literally cannot picture what their personalities are like outside of the show. I feel like Nicholas Brendan is pretty much the answer. <laughs> Jeez, I hope not, man. Especially maybe in this he's, la- he's later Xander. Yeah, Xander had some comments in this episode. Like, <laughs> yeah, we all were like, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, we yes, we try to give Xander as much credit as possible. We say that I, every episode, I, and then we're like, but Xander, <laughs> I weigh less than everyone else. I will start uh, fairly judging him after season three. <laughs> Yeah, okay, what did you think of his comment? He says, valuable lesson for you girls. And note, invite strange men into your bedrooms. Oh, yeah, and he makes a comment earlier about them having a sleepover. Like, well, what, what guy friend makes that comments <laughs> like that about the platonic <laughs> girlfriends? That's so creepy. He also yeah. has a girlfriend, too. I'm like, ew, leave But alone. I think what's worse is that, like, because I, I mean, to be, like, not to, like, lord my young youth over you guys. My youth. But, like, <laughs> I, like, I just graduated high school in 2019. I had to remember. Such a baby. Um. And so, and there was, like, there's a lot of guys that, like, talk like this. Like, they may not be as like crazy as Xander is and they may not be as bold about it but like when they get around their guy friends or when like they're around people they know won't call them out for their childish behavior they talk like this and so like Xander is a pretty extreme but a pretty accurate representation of what a lot of high school guys can talk like and I think that's why I hate him because <laughs> I'm just like, Fair. like sometimes I do get flashbacks of like high school or even like middle school. And sometimes you're just like, ooh, I hated that. Most guys that talk like that don't have a platonic girlfriend. They can beat them up, though. <laughs> that's yeah. true. true. Well, and the thing is, he says these things in front of Cordelia. And I feel like Cordelia is so like honest. Sometimes I wonder why she doesn't call him out as much as she like does everybody else or even Buffy but it was the 90s those types of comments were a little bit more I guess so man it just I guess the further we get away from the 90s every rewatch I'm like whoa this seems worse and worse you know yeah Yeah. but okay so Cordelia's freaking out because she's like crap Angel was in my car I gave him a ride once now he's gonna be able to get in my car whenever and I love that nobody bothers to correct her they're just like okay and this is the first time we hear from anybody that there you can actually reverse the spell um and so giles is like all right well i think you can i'm gonna like look that up and see what i can find and then uh a couple students walk into the library oh how dare they talking they're like what are you doing in here they're like oh we need to check out some books (laughs) yeah jonathan (laughs) and i will say that um xander does have a funny line where they're just like this is a library and he goes since when <laughs> yeah i know okay well this is the first time we've seen people in the library yeah. um since uh never kill a boy on the first date or no i robot you jane when you had like fritz and what's his but face they always oh, yeah. doing like a project second yeah I guarantee willow was like all right let's meet in the library but like jonathan decided to come in on his own i love that jonathan is the one that comes in. he has like one scene and the he way just he comes walks in <laughs> literally kills me he like walks on his tippy toes and <laughs> yeah it's just so funny it's, it's the way like, I, no, honestly what sounds me is the way he talks he's just like this is the library yeah. <laughs> and everyone's just like get out how <laughs> dare you 
Yeah. Okay. So then Xander like gives everybody a look like, let's go talk somewhere else. And Jonathan's like, um, excuse you, librarian. He's like, hello. <laughs> I need some help. I love that Cordelia says, why doesn't he just slit her throat or, you know, strangle her and cut out her beating heart while she sleeps? And then no one start, no one talks. And then she's like, what? I'm trying to help. I know. Bless her heart. I will say this is one of the points where I actually appreciated Cordelia because like, mm-hmm. even though she is very insensitive, I like that she's one of the only people who's genuinely thinking about this realistically and being like oh like why Why didn't he kill kill her her? because he definitely could whereas the rest of them besides buffy are just kind of like meh yeah yeah and it's it's a little discouraging to hear giles just be like well he's just taunting you and you know basically just ignore him and um giles talks about like ignoring her passions and you know being super calm which is you know kind of ironic you know when you see him lose mm-hmm. his calm later yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's supposed to be a, a very specific um Phrase. screw you giles but like also like i think that part of the reason why buffy is such a good slayer and such a just good character in general is the fact that she is very passionate and she's very empathetic she feels things very deeply and i think that that's what makes her good is that she is very much involved in whatever she does and i think that if she was just by the book she would not be as good as a slayer as she is. And so it's very ironic that Giles is like, don't let your passions control you, especially when like you need passion in life and in a relationship, especially like with Jenny. Could you imagine if Buffy was like, don't let your passions control you with his relationship with Jenny? Like he'd be so pissed. But again, I kind of like what I said earlier, You, we've seen only the um, by the book Giles so far. Well, we saw Ripper Giles when um he had the... But he didn't want to tell them, though. Like, he wasn't even telling the whole episode. And then, like, Buffy was like, you need to tell me what's going on right now because people were literally dying. Sure. Yeah. It's just interesting to see his Ripper come out in full force. We've heard Mm -hmm. hints of it. But, like, yeah, this is a scary side of Giles that we haven't Mm -hmm. seen before. All right. So he – Giles is like, you know – um, you just need to ignore him. And Xander, I love that he's like, nah, 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 nah. And Giles is like, yes, yes, you've done it again, Xander. You've taken a complex thought and boiled it down to its simplest form. <laughs> Giles so is so good at just like putting Xander really in his place. humbling Xander quick. Yeah. Like, I'd be terrified if Giles didn't like me. That man would send me home mm. crying every day. Like, he's just very intelligently mm. like, you're an idiot. Shut up. Yeah. Buffy says that she's worried for Joyce yeah. or Mrs. Summers. Fair. Uh, because she said that Angel had told her that the first thing he did to Drew's, um, to kind of make Drew crazy was kill her family. So I would be nervous too. I'd be like, why are you making jokes when like he's been in my room and like my family could be targeted? I don't know why she didn't just be like, hey, Joyce, can you like, can you go on a vacation or something? Like I would do whatever I could to just like, Get her out of the house. Like, I would do whatever I could. But you would have to explain to her, though. She wouldn't just, like, willingly leave. Like You saw her try to do that in Prophecy Girl. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, imagine you told mom, hey, mom, can you just go live with a friend for a while? Yeah, it's not going <laughs> to go over well. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I could come. If I was motivated by her death, I feel like I could come up with a pretty convincing life. I'd be like, hey, go take a vacation. I'll pay for it. And then just never pay for it. <laughs> yeah. and the next time a big bad rolls into town she's not gonna believe you and leave yeah but it's different when they have a literal invitation in your house like i'd be really motivated but any big bad if they're not a vampire can get in the house so like yeah i don't know it 
it is telling that she thinks of her mom. This is also the first time we've gotten any sort of an inkling that Buffy wants to tell her mom that she's a slayer. Yeah. Like This is the first time we've seen her go, man, maybe I should tell her because she's in some real danger here. Which, not to like, I don't know. I don't understand why she hasn't told her mom in all honesty. Like, she told both of her friends. They took it completely fine. Like, what's the worst that happened to her mom's like, Well, they wow, found out awful. about it. Like, yeah, they found out, but like still, like, realistically speaking, I just don't really see like why she wouldn't tell her. I don't know. But she's a teenage girl. Teenage girls keep things from their parents. Yeah, yeah. but it's not like she doesn't have a good relationship with her mom. I think that's the point, though, at this at this point like the idea of like oh like you have this whole life that your parents don't understand about yeah it's a know. metaphor for yeah. you know teenage life so and cordelia says you can ride around in my car until you know she's safe <laughs> and she's like thanks cordelia I, everyone she, cordelia keeps giving these like helpful little things and everybody just ignores her the entire time then giles and buffy decide to go over to miss calendar's classroom and buffy like barely gives Miss Calendar eye, eye contact, I guess I should say Jenny. Um, and oh, before then you have Jenny talking to Willow saying, hey, I have something I have to do. Can you cover class for me tomorrow? And Willow jumps like from being freaked out by this responsibility to be like, whoa, can I assign detention in like one breath? Which like for real, I haven't seen this show in a long time. <laughs> so I forgot just how much anxiety Willow carries around. <laughs> True. But in all honesty, I think I would be the same way. If, if you're asked if to cover your teacher's me, class, like it's a see, like something is bother me. <laughs> well, that's because you're a literal like teacher's assistant, so it's a little different. But like, because I've had to actually sub in a classroom okay, but this before is from two not sixes, as, <laughs> not as like an actual teacher, but like as like a teacher's assistant, and it was literally the most stressful thing ever. Like I was like on the verge of tears. I was like, "This is terrible. I hate this so much." The first day of any job is hardly. <laughs> yes, but I'm just saying like it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of stress. It's a little different if it's like one class, but and, like. like Willow is just it's like computer science you can literally just be like go play a game on the computer but willow literally jumps to what if they don't recognize my authority, authority. and i'm like whoa willow whoa like <laughs> you are literally insane. just a sub <laughs> it's okay you'll be fine but yeah so then giles and buffy come in and giles is trying to ask her about a spell and buffy just kind of gives her the cold shoulder she doesn't even acknowledge miss calendar saying her name and you can tell she's kind of like shooting daggers at willow with her eyes eyes like how are you talking to her like you're supposed or to be go like, talk somewhere else. my friend and what does it willow say as she's walking away they have authority and if we don't respect authority then it'll be chaos <laughs> yeah she's like they should be respected too because all of a sudden she's realizing i'm gonna be in this spot tomorrow yep i just honestly and i think that buffy handles it better than i would if some woman was the reason why my boyfriend lost his soul i i don't think i would ever have a nice thing to say about her like i think i would go absolutely crazy on her every single time i saw her i mean okay i don't know i kind of understand where jenny's coming from like especially when she talks to like giles she's like i was raised by the people angel hurt the most and she's grown up her whole life by them being like, Angelus is the worst. Angel, Angelus did this, blah, 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 blah. Um, but she was sent to make sure that he's not like, you know, getting the happy to like turn back into Angelus. <laughs> <Getting the happy. laughs> um, 
But like, I don't know. I just, I understand. Do I agree? Just because we've seen from the other perspective. Yeah. We also haven't seen her perspective. Yeah. So I feel bad, but I also understand why she's isolated. Yeah. And I mean, I totally understand from like Jenny's point of view. Like, I don't think she's an evil person at all. I think that she just had blind loyalty to someone. Um, But I think that I completely understand. And I think that Buffy's reaction to her is completely justified. Well, and I mean, we saw back in um, Surprise and Innocence when Jenny gets on her uncle and says, this has to stop. Um, I, she didn't know the extent of the curse. She was just told, watch Angel. She didn't know right. that yeah, what would happen. True. And so she's feeling guilty about that and realizing, okay, we're causing the cycle of pain. Like at some point, we got to just let bygones be bygones. And so I, I feel for her here because she's going, I didn't mean for anybody to get hurt. I didn't know the extent of what was happening Mm. and then on top of all of this she lets it slip that she loves giles and she's like crap and she realizes in that moment how hard it is for him because he's feeling a loyalty to buffy but then she knows he also cares for her and so then she feels guilty about putting him in a weird spot so then it's just like this whole messy situation yeah um i also wrote down all the different times that the the giles and jess giles and jenny theme played yes. in this episode yeah so, so this is the first time we hear it yeah and it's um, everywhere in this episode it's everywhere in this episode but it is so beautiful if you're a huge ed sheeran fan um listen to a fire um, love a fire love yep and yeah. he uses this song as the the background soundtrack and he sings on top of yeah, it. yeah he sampled it and mm-hmm. yeah wrote the yeah. song about his grandparents and but, his dad had and the correlations between buffy and angelus yeah. as well i do like the fact that um as much as you can tell Giles loves Jenny and wants to be back in a relationship with her, I love that he felt a need to have her relationship with Buffy reconciled before he ever progressed yes. in his relationship with her yeah. out of respect as her watcher, but also just like out of care for Buffy because I think he knew he couldn't just do that to her. And it's just a very sweet thing. Well, Giles takes his role as a watcher very seriously, but he also is a surrogate father to Buffy as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he knows that he can't bring another woman into his life uh, if him, her and Buffy are not going to get along. Yeah. Well, and it's also sweet, too, to watch Buffy look out for Giles. She's angry at Miss Calendar, but she sees how much he misses her mm-hmm. and still attempts to, like, say, hey, like, be cool with, with Giles. Like at the very least, I don't want him to be unhappy yeah. and that's just precious. And so then we move to the dining room where Buffy's like sitting there and she's probably stewing about the fact that she has to tell her mom something. And then she's also, you know, anxious about Angel and Joyce is like, all right, what's wrong? Something's wrong. You've got to tell me. And Buffy tries to explain, hey, do you remember Angel? And she's like, yeah, the guy tutoring you in history, which call back to, you know, season one Angel. She's like, yeah, we were, you know, kind of dating. Now we're not. And I love that Joyce says, "He, let me guess, he's not the same guy you fell for, which yep. the way to hit the metaphor, like right on the head. Yeah. <laughs> do we really need to explain that metaphor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and she's like, in a nutshell. And you're like, oh, I mean, what else could you explain other than that without being yeah. like, hey, I'm a vampire slayer. He's a vampire. Like, he got his soul taken away. And now he's killing my friends. And I'm a slayer, so I'm supposed to technically kill him. But her mom's <laughs> but like, I'm whoa. Really struggling right now. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Right. Like, I love the fact that Joyce is very kind and just being like, I told you so. But like, in a very sweet, sweet way. Like, she, just, she isn't like... Huh, well, I could have told you that, you know, all men are pigs. Like, she's just very much like the <laughs> way that she. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me that, of your father. Yeah. 
the way that she says it is very much like we've all been there. We've all gone through that and like kind of almost like reassuring her in a way of like this isn't you. This isn't about you and your experience. Like everyone's gone through this and it's okay. And she says it in a very like maybe I'm reading into it, but like I feel like she says that in very little words and just reassures Buffy in a very kind way. One thing that I liked as well is that Joyce, um, while she's being kind, doesn't let Buffy off the hook. Yeah. And she tells Buffy, like, are you just saying that or do you actually believe you made a mistake? You know, like she's being a parent to Buffy because Buffy needs a parent right now. Like as, as much as Buffy seems like an adult sometimes and she's doing very adult things in the show, she is still a teenager and she yeah. still needs guidance and she still needs parental control. And Joyce does a very good job of being her mother yeah. while also being supportive. Yeah. You talking Buffy about their the conversation later when she finds out that she's slept with Angelus. Yes, absolutely. Or Angel. Yeah, Angelus. Yeah, totally. And it, it's hard because uh, Joss Whedon originally didn't want to have Joyce in Buffy. He didn't want to have any parents there because he thought they would be a hindrance and then realized that was unrealistic. We have to show some parents. <laughs> She's like living alone. Yeah, exactly. It's just not going to work. Um, So he wrote Joyce in kind of in a way to be a foil to Buffy and to kind of be like the one that's kind of stopping her, sometimes a plot device. And so I feel like Joyce gets the short end of the stick um, in these first few seasons because she only pops up when she needs to be there to tell Buffy, right. no, don't do something or to just be in danger. So I love that they're giving her more depth and you're having these conversations because it literally is a real relationship. I feel like a real mom would actually say those things. Yeah. That's one like nice thing that I really liked about Joyce and Buffy throughout the entire series. They definitely had a very real mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it sucks because I think in the fandom, I hear a lot about people saying, oh, Joyce was a crap mom. What? I'm like, what? Yeah, it's actually that. a very prevalent thing. And I think that there is obviously some validity to it. I think that anyone who thinks that is literally just a teenager who doesn't like authority. And True. that's coming from a teenager who doesn't <laughs> like authority. <Because laughs> Speaking from experience. when I first watched the show, I, I, I've, I've talked about this like a trillion times, but I watched the first three seasons and I remember around season like one and like halfway through season two, I was kind of like, oh, all Joyce does is harp on Buffy, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized like, 90% of what your parents do when you're a teenager is like, yeah, kind of get on your case a little bit because you need that when you're a teenager. Yeah, but teenagers but then, are stupid. But, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to that, any but teenagers like, listening. But, <laughs> Buffy's getting fights in school. Yeah. She's getting like exactly. notes home from the principal. Like, she burnt also, down like, a freaking gym. Yeah. Like, also, I think what's important and what shows that Joyce is a good mom is, yes, she gets on Buffy's case a lot, but every single time she does it, it is kind, it is mm -hmm. loving, it is very rarely is it like accusatory it's always just like what's going on like can you explain the situation to me like it is and that's what makes her a good mom is the fact that like she is more than just a disciplinary figure she is someone who wants to encourage her and grow her into becoming the best version of herself and i think that that's a realistic portrayal of what a parent relationship is a lot of it is going to be them kind of telling you hey i don't want you going out or doing this but i think that the moments that do show them really connecting, it feels very real. And she's she's shown to Buffy and proven to her that she cares about her. And so I, 
everyone can have their opinions, but like Joyce Leah's is a like, good mom. Ah, Joyce over yeah, here. She's a good parent. Yeah, I think the um, the parts where she's a bad parent is literally just plot device. Like you know, Buffy yeah. sneaks out. Why doesn't Joyce know she snuck out? Well, yeah. You can't have Joyce knowing. So they made those parts simply yeah. so that we could have Buffy out. Plus, you have Buffy who's like a slayer, and all she does is sneak into places and like beat people up and do espionage so she couldn't sneak out of her own house and buffy would probably be a pretty bad you know at her job yeah that's true true all right so then we have this interesting and really sad this always makes me sad a mm-hmm. moment where willow is in her room <laughs> scene actually got a kill scene. oh okay oh okay why do i still like, feel bad well, she's wandering like, around her room like, it's very cute like they're on the phone it's very like best friend moment you know they're just like talking about you know <laughs> how her ex-boyfriend wants to like murder her um it's very cute <laughs> yeah, willow's like, pajamas are like a six-year-old's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aww. but i think like it's very funny to me because like they're talking and Willow's very much like, yeah, Buffy, like that's so hard and like trying to empathize with her. And then like, she's like, I think Giles is right. Just ignore him. Yeah. And then she like Buffy finds a dead fish and then it immediately cuts to her being like, thanks for letting me stay yeah. <laughs> yeah, Well, this show is so it's cool. It's a steak too. Yeah. yeah. Garlic behind her. I noted that. Yeah. Because we talked about yep. the, in the first season yep. how garlic we were like, is we don't back, think any garlic man. in the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Does garlic kidding. even do anything to vampires and Buffy? It's. I don't. They've never said that it <laughs> yeah. does, but they, they put it there. <laughs> That's a shows how desperate they are. A lot of garlic, which is <laughs> so desperate. That might just show. Yeah, like Tabby said, like that might just show the fact that they're like, we will do anything to keep this Joyce, man out. Joyce is like, what the heck are you guys doing with all of the garlic? <laughs> like, Mom, we love Italian food. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, we're testing something out, a science experiment. Yeah, right. Well, okay, so I think it's just terrifying because. They did a really good job, with the exception of Giles's house, of showing Angel in all of these locations. Like you have Angel going into Willow's room um, in the episode "Light of Me" when he's not sure about Ford, and I. It feels like that was intentional showing Angel go to all those places because now we know he can enter as much as he wants to, and that's just creepy. I don't understand why they didn't just go to like xander's house because we know angel ain't going there why would you want to have a sleepover with xander anyway no, okay. yeah, he's gonna videotape you i would not sleep the entire time i would just be like he'd probably him. rip on willow's outfit angel come and go to in bed. so we could kill xander <laughs> he's like sitting out the window i'm like come on in <laughs> uh, he'd probably be like willow why are you wearing that why aren't you wearing long to to bed ew i don't even oh, want to think it. Oh, no <laughs> but i think that like if you really think about it realistically, like if I was um, Willow, because she's like, she's been best friends with Xander for years. She knows Xander has no interest in her. And I'm pretty sure they've alluded to the fact that they've had sleepovers before. Yeah, they have. And so I wouldn't go to Xander's house because I know for sure that Xander never let Angel in his house. So I'll be like, that would be the first place I would think of. But I think for her, she's like, I'm the slayer and I don't want to leave my mom alone in this house by herself. Well, no, so I was I'm talking about uh, well, Willow. Willow's parents. Uh, Willow just was like, bye, mom and dad. <laughs> why Buffy wouldn't want to go over to Xander's house because he'd be a creep to her. But Willow's had sleepovers with Xander before. So if I was Willow, I'd go over to Xander's house. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't think there's really a win-win in any of these situations here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of shifting gears from like the funny part of the scene. But like the second part is like, I'm like, oh, poor girl. She says um, her first instinct is still to run to Angel. And she says she can't believe they're the same person. Yeah. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, kind of interesting. It's like, if you ever had a bad breakup, yep. then, 
Mm -hmm. every time you something bad or even something good happens in your life, your first instinct is to be like, oh, I want to tell that person or I want to right. hear from them. You know, because you, you're so used to having that special person there with you. Then you realize, oh, I can't because they're no longer there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like she said, she can't believe they're the same person. And I guarantee that girls, I mean, I personally have never gone through th like something not like like this, but, you know, where a guy changes his personality, it seemingly changes his personality after like you, you know, are intimate with them. Um, but like she's like, I just like it. She can't even comprehend that. We're like, um, I don't know, kind of like what Dave was saying, like either there's like a bad breakup or like someone is just like completely turns and is just like really like cruel to you in a relationship where you just kind of cling to the old memories and i feel like that's kind of like the fuel of like very toxic relationships and like i remember my friend brought this up to me and she said that i knew that i wasn't meant to be with him when i started reminiscing on old memories and not new memories mm. and mm. um I don't know. That's just kind of like really stuck to me. So when she said that, I was just like, man, like a lot of girls and a lot of people have gone through that. And that's just heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think that Sarah's mentioned it before where Sweden wrote the whole Angelus Angel storyline to show and portray the type of bad guy who was literally right. in the relationship for sex or intimacy or just to gain something from the girl. So they will portray a sweet, kind guy, um, which Angel is a sweet, kind guy. So they kind of made the metaphor a little different. But like... Like, just to get something for, from her. And as soon as they get that, they turn into this completely different person. And then you have the girl, which I mean, to be fair, I think this could be a woman as well. But for metaphors, there are a couple of different metaphors that are going on here, I think. But I think they're just trying to show with a relationship when you have someone that changes. I think it's just a toxic relationship all around. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Yeah, you're still the only thing that he thinks about, which I'm like, oh. Oh, like yeah. I don't know. This is so like, great. Sweet. Yeah, multiple feelings. Mm, not agree. So then back to the warehouse, and oh, like, okay, yeah, Willow just mentions puppy, and then you know you have Drusilla trying to cheer up Mopey <laughs> Spike. She's like, "Come on, Spike!" Then she puppy. calls it Miss Sunshine, <laughs> yeah. which is like naming your puppy like arsenic or something. Yeah, something that can kill you. She's like, "Open up!" And he's like, "No!" And like, I love Mopey Spike. Yep. This is my favorite. I, I mean, Grumpy. I've been very avid about my love for Spike, but. Spike is the funniest character in this he's episode. So dramatic. The fact sure. that he's just like so dramatic and so pissed off the whole episode <laughs> kills me. He's also he's the most realistic character yes. though. Like it, let's face it, Angelus is a little cray cray. Like oh, he's sure. not he's he's being a little gutsy and how he's he's it's not being smart he's about so this. He's so angry at Buffy. I think it's more just he's like, eh, like I can do what I want. A Angelus seems like just a little unhinged, even for a vampire. Yeah, right. Well, You're I like, also, I don't know many vampires, but he seems a yeah, little and I out think of it's there. Also, because <laughs> like, like I wanted to in my lifetime, but <laughs> I also think it's like the fact that Spike has realistically gone up against Buffy and lost. Well, yeah. And so I think that he has a genuine fear of like, hey, maybe don't completely piss off the person who could come in here and kill us right now because well, Spike has a, a very yeah, yeah Spike thanks, has a very, thanks Angel. Like, real fear of him whereas Angel has only been on the good side of Buffy and so I don't think that he hasn't really fought her when she wants to kill him I just think he's completely forgotten how strong she is as Angela so he's kind of been like Psh, I'll take her later I'm fine like it doesn't really seem like it's very major yeah. in his it's eyes because he always got the soft side of buffy well angelus is just arrogant he's an arrogant douchebag he's over there like 
basically challenging Spike for, you know, head vampire and is over there talking about how he's sleeping with Drusilla yeah. and his comment's really funny though because undermining he's like, him. Is there anything I can help you yeah. with? And then he like looks at Drusilla, he's like, anything I'm not currently doing? And Spike's like, oh yeah, yeah. And then Drusilla's over there like, oh you guys fighting over me. Because <laughs> poor Spike. And then she has one of her visions and talks about how an old friend is seeking help to destroy their happy home. So happy, eating puppies. <laughs> Sunshine. Yeah, Miss Sunshine. And then we cut to this magic shop, and it is Miss Calendar. Mm -hmm. And she talks to the magic shop owner, is looking for a orb of Thessala, and we find out that she's trying to bring back his soul. I blame Angela. <laughs> I blame Xander. <laughs> yeah, I blame everything. Is, there it is. Yeah, Honestly, Joy and Xander hate drink. Xander's creepier than Angelus in this episode. Yes. By far. Such a bit of a All Angelus wants okay. to do is eat you or kill you. <laughs> <laughs> All Xander wants to do, or Xander wants to do a lot of things. So. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to demean you. He wants to make Xander, jokes at you. Xander so. honestly would be. sex with you while demeaning you. Yeah. Honestly, Xander would be happy with anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Buffy could literally like kiss him on the forehead and he'd be like on cloud nine. Yeah, it's true. I boost my ego just like dating him for like a second i'll just be like oh hey you look handsome you know what i like, would do right, i now. would i i would date him and then break his heart just to humble him like wow Hi, loser. Yeah. <laughs> obviously i wouldn't actually do that but like me. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're in the magic shop um and i thought it was really interesting because like uh, Jenny comes in and the guy's like, hello, would you like to buy this uh, orb or whatever? And then she's like, oh, I'm here for this. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he closes the blinds and he's like, sorry, the, you know, the, the tourist asked for like the love potions because valentine's mm -hmm. day is coming around the corner yeah you could tell that she's an actual magic user and so he's like okay well then you know no one must know we actually sell magic here what kills <laughs> me is his his voice and the like his voice completely the, drops an yeah, octave he's like the oh, terminology okay. he uses like he comes in and he's like would you like to buy some and she, he's like oh okay what do you want like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah and then we find out that um this the text to actually use this orb is, has been lost and that Jenny is creating a computer program to help translate it, which I thought was a really cool use of her abilities, like tying it into the show. It was mm -hmm. clever. Yeah, really trying to give her redemption. <laughs> We're like, only she can do this. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but like she's using her fair. skill like, set. And I'm all, I'm all for it. But, well, yeah. it kind of shows how, why Gile likes her too. Like she's smart. She has the same interests as him. She holds her own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's a strong, strong, independent woman, just not against a vampire. No. <laughs> <laughs> if vampires existed, I would like totally carry like stakes with me or right. do something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the whole point like of the Buffy verse is that kind of people kind of like like ignore that they are alive. That's why they have the whole like they dust, and so they can like trick their brains and be like, oh, it was like the trick of the lighting, or you know, like whatever. Like there's no real. And when there's no there. blood and no body, like mm -hmm. it's easy to just be like it doesn't exist. Yeah, but you know it exists. You're Jenny. Like you're Jenny. <laughs> Jenny's well, yeah, different. That's she grew up like knowing that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So then um, Xander, Willow, and Buffy are at school. Xander's outfit yeah. is 
horrendous. <laughs> like oh, the he's red wearing with the green. This Ooh. he looks like a Christmas tree. Yeah. No, he looks like a Christmas pajama that your grandma would give you. <laughs> Sometimes we forget how bad 90s fashion is. But Xander's is so okay, bad. I actually like 90s fashion. Even a lot of guys, even though I hate Xander, a lot of the times the things he wears, I don't actually hate. I think they're fine. I He's like wearing them. plaid pants. No, it's just this outfit that's horrible. With a bright red sweater in with all, a pop honestly, green collar. I think no, that I kind of block out Xander in this scene because he annoyed me. How so could you? He looks like a stop wearing. sign. A giant stop <laughs> sign. Oh my gosh. It hurts my eyes every time. We'll, we'll make sure to, to post a picture of what he's wearing on the oh, Buffy uh, Instagram. It's awful. Anyway, go ahead. I did notice um, that Buffy wears all black and white this episode, oh. which is, is very, you know, kind of telling of what mm. her character is like. And Angelus wears all black, but Buffy's very much of a, um, you know, character that's stuck between innocence and uh, evil in this character. So mm. her all black and white wardrobe mm. kind of speaks to that. Yeah. And it's also, I think it's speaking to where her head's at right now because Buffy is a very clothing expressive person. And we've seen that. I mean, I always am talking about her outfits and willows and how they're very meaningful. And I think that that's a really good point, David, is just the fact that like she's wearing that. Not, I think it also may be what you're speaking about, maybe showing her innocence and kind of the black and white of that. But I think it's also just showing the fact that like she doesn't really feel like wearing super cute and frilly outfits. Like she's just kind of like, I'm going to throw on whatever I have. I don't feel like making a statement mm-hmm. right now because she's just so upset. She's got a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. So as they're talking, Willow sees Miss Calendar and she's like, oh, darn, she's here. Five hours of lesson planning down the train <laughs> as a sub. I love that Willow just like goes the extra mile. But like five hours for like <laughs> her going to be late for like maybe 20 or 30 minutes. <sighs> I just be like, okay, silent read. Willow's well, an overprepare. It's literally a computer class. I'd be like, okay, um, Hangman. play on games until, yeah. you know, she comes. Write an email. Practice writing your emails. Yeah, and I think that this speaks a lot to Buffy. We talked about this before, that she chooses to go up to Jenny and says, um, you know, keep up the guilt, but he misses you, and I don't want anyone to be lonely. And I think that also speaks to Buffy's mindset. She knows how she feels being lonely. She doesn't want that for Giles, Mm -hmm. which is just really sweet. We've talked about it before on the show, but there is a theory out there. I probably am mentioning this every episode, but there's a theory out there that every character in the Buffyverse is really meant to be some sort of a foil to Buffy's own character in the sense of like um, you have uh, like you had Kendra. Kendra is another Slayer obviously so she's a very like obvious example but then you have you know Giles. Giles has to often refer to his role as a watcher as not something he wanted and so you have each of these characters sometimes even the villains that come on there and they experience some of the same things of Buffy that Buffy does but they respond in a way that's different and so kind of showing how Buffy could react or what would happen if she did react that way. So I think in this example like Buffy's relating to Giles um, in his loneliness and I just think that's especially poignant knowing what happens at the end of the episode so jazz is all like hey guys i found the ritual now to keep angelus out of your house it's just you know some moss herbs hanging crosses sprinkling of some holy water and cordelia's like oh 
my car has leather in it. Like, how am I going to sprinkle she holy goes, water? Oh, thank goodness. I had to actually um, convince my grandma to switch cars with me last night. Her poor grandma's I like, know, oh. <laughs> Well, you know, she didn't tell her. She probably was just like, hey, grandma, can we switch? Because um, my car is bad on oil or something. <laughs> grandma's over there getting chowed down by a vampire. But She's you know, like, get it like an oil change. She's like, that's freaking good. <laughs> <laughs> She's like cussing her out on the Take way. Take advantage of me. <laughs> She's like, no Christmas money for you this year. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just Cordelia's grandma sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I'd be friends with her. <laughs> I'd ride around with her. <laughs> so then they're like going around to everybody's houses and nailing up crosses on the walls and like sprinkling holy water and stuff. And then we see another envelope. I'd be yeah. nervous to open it. I'd be like, someone else open it. Tell me what it is. Yeah. And the fact that it's Joyce, it's just Buffy's nightmare. That's our nightmare. That's what we're all just like really afraid of and yeah. dreading. And it just makes it feel much, that much more real too. Yeah. It's like, oh man, like Buffy's family. This is all Buffy's lives kind of colliding and she's kind of out of control um, or it's all out of her control and how her secrets get revealed. Um, if we're anal- analyzing Angelus's art, I think this one he really outdid himself with Joyce. <laughs> like, spot on. Ted out of like, ten. Wow. He got the hair. I don't know why actual Angel didn't ever like draw something for Buffy if he was that good. Seriously, Angel, not on us, man. Well, artists have to be tortured, so soulless <laughs> Angelus has to be art talent. And in, in all honesty, like most like poets and like artists and stuff are like kind of crappy people, so like. Maybe you have to have be like a crappy story. <laughs> Look at Hitler. He's just calling out. Yeah. All like the dead poets. But like painters. Hitler was really into art. And he uh, didn't oh make it into God. art. Oh, I'm just saying. Why was that the first thing that came to your mind? Don't mess my boy Van Gogh into this. Hitler failed out of art school anyway. He wasn't that great of an That's artist. That's why he became yeah. Hitler. Oh my God. <laughs> nice. Man, Goodness guys, the gracious. arts are important. Give more funding to the arts. We're not using the arts. We're not using Hitler as an example for anything ever. <laughs> Maybe Xander. Oh my gosh! No. <laughs> wow. Narcissism is best. Just kidding. Anyway, moving <laughs> on before we go further down the rabbit hole. Yeah, All right. So Joyce is driving home, and as she pulls up, Angelus is there, and this this scares me a lot. It oh, scares yeah. me every time I see it because good for Joyce though. Yeah, she stand. You can tell she's scared, but the way she stands up to him, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, like you can tell, like she's Buffy's mom. But it's also like the way that she is handling herself. Like even though you can tell she's scared, like the first thing on her mind is I want to protect Buffy. Yeah, and so like even when he's like kind of being very physically kind of aggressive with her you can tell she's very much like are you threatening my daughter like that's the first thing that she's worried about is like are you gonna harm Buffy even though he's next to her right now and has no connection to Buffy at this moment like yeah the first thing she's thinking about is Buffy which is another Mm -hmm. reason why she's a good parent (laughs) yeah the things he says I'm like ooh, tell her I need her like oh no thank you yeah I haven't been able to stop thinking about her ever since the night that we and he like pauses for dramatic effect mm-hmm. because Angelus is incredibly dramatic you know and then he talks about the night they made love he says made love to he make it sound sweet yeah right innocent but, like he's the victim right but also like it's just twisting what 
they actually had like they did actually make love but he's this is angela's talking about Mm -hmm. it and then he just seems so unhinged in how he drops things and is like Mm -hmm. almost kind of towering over her um yeah and we're like joyce get inside get inside and then we find out that he can't get inside anymore yeah buffy says sorry angel i changed the locks which you gotta wonder what joyce is thinking about at this point he's like what the heck is going on i know she's like you can just walk in like yeah like (laughs) joyce walks in and then like Willow comes down the stairs like blah 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 blah, and like, like <laughs> yeah, exactly is, like that. Like, where is Joyce? Like, is she just like in the kitchen? Like, oh, good she's dinner. like, <laughs> like drinking like, her tea. Buffy's like, nobody apart. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't mind me, mom. <laughs> just you know, he's really superstitious. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the compelling thing from Vampire Diaries would be really helpful in scenarios like this. <laughs> Seriously, my mom forget everything that just happened. Oogly boogly, oogly boogly. They actually cut out a little bit in the script. There was a moment where Buffy's like trying to explain to Joyce, like, oh, like it's no big deal. And Joyce gives her a look. I was like, all right, we're good. let's go talk upstairs. But they kind of cut that out. So then back at the school, Jenny's working really hard trying to translate this. And Jenny says, hey, so Buffy said that you miss me. And he's like, she's a meddlesome girl. <laughs> and they theme agree. song comes on for the second time yeah and they agree to go meet up later and the scene kills me because it's very sweet and you can see like you can see how much this topic of you know kind of reconciling with jenny has been so on giles's mind it's been weighing him down like he's been in kind of out of a, like in a funky mood the past couple episodes and like you can just see like how happy he is to like have a reconcile relationship with her and they're going to be moving forward and like well he's it's almost like buffy he could tell buffy gave the stamp of approval like yeah. yes you can move forward but yeah. then jenny is also really excited because she's like man i think i found the cure but she doesn't want to tell him mm-hmm. yet because she doesn't want to get his hopes set and you're just like no tell him so then we like have somebody that knows about this it's and- just like it breaks my heart because like they both just look so genuinely happy yeah. and excited for their future well you see him hesitate too he's like you can you can come to my house and you're yeah. like, no, don't come no. to the house. Stay at your house, please. Yeah, leave, leave. Go to Buffy's house. It's it's safe now. I yeah. just like, I don't know. If I were Jenny, I would like, I just would take every precaution, even though I'm working on like restoring his soul. Like I would stay until it was like almost dark and then I'd leave. But the thing the is, school. is like, again, no one is taking him seriously. Yeah. Like, and yep. that's, that's the real crux of this is mm-hmm. that like, if Giles had been taking him seriously, he would have waited until the sun went down, walked Jenny to that his is house. true. Yeah. And then they would have had the date. But no one was taking him seriously and no one was thinking that Jenny was in peril. That's yeah. true. And I think everyone just. Yeah, they're underestimating Angelus, but then they're also this false sense of security of like, oh, we're in the school and we've also seen Angel like, in all these places. If I were Giles, like remember the first of an essence, yep, he yep, was in the school. Yep. He had grabbed Willow. He grabbed I was just Willow, about yeah, that. And then shoved Buffy against the door. Like he was literally in the school. If I were Giles, yeah. I'd be like, Okay, I'll either wait with you or like leave yeah. when the sun is going down. Yeah. yeah. And Giles didn't even angel proof his home. Yeah. yeah. Well, in this episode, he was literally going to swing back to Buffy's house to grab the book so he could go do it. He tells Willow, oh, I should probably do my apartment this mm-hmm. evening. Yeah. Like yesterday, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's just it's a little too it's too little too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so then back in the shop, Drusilla and the puppy show up. <laughs> Miss Sunshine, her new mascot. Um, and they want to know what Jenny wanted um, from the shopkeeper. R.I.P. Shopkeeper. I'm assuming you died. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) 
And then, which Drusilla, it's interesting how Drusilla started out, like her wardrobe has shifted over the oh, episodes. Yeah. She's like bright red slash black. Mm-hmm. And she started out with white where she yep. was just very frail. Well, yeah. she also got her power back now. Right. So she's yep. able to, like she's dressing more powerful. She's dressing like a powerful woman. Yeah, and Spike's over there in his wheelchair. Yeah, I'll <laughs> see. you, Angela. <laughs> so Jenny figures out the translation, pulls out a floppy disk, um, you can tell she's figured out the cure and as she's printing it out is so terrifying because you see Angela's just kind of sitting there chilling in the corner and yeah, we all oh, know yeah, what that happens. Shot, the reveal of Angela's was chilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you knew as soon as you saw that, you're like, oh, she's dead. She's dead. Like, there's just no way. Yeah, I don't know. I remember watching this for the first time years ago before I knew like any spoilers yeah and i remember seeing him there and being like wow this is terrifying but i really didn't think she was gonna mm. die mm. i really thought that there would be like buffy would show up at the last second or mm. she would get away somehow because that's how the show had been up until this moment was like people you know the good guys right. one of the bad guys didn't and so like this was like the first real moment where they had a severe loss i thought the same until the really long running yeah. chasing scene yeah because it's mm. like every time someone's been like in grave danger it's never lasted longer than like a minute mm. but this was like there was layers to it it was like he threw against the doorknob which made it unlock she ran out she like pushed the cart against him he fell she ran upstairs he disappeared like yeah. there's just so much that happens where i was like oh i think this is it and i think that that's something that i actually really liked about this chase scene is that like it's actually a pretty long scene when you think about it and i th- love the fact that they changed the lighting they changed the scenery the music changed like everything about it was like constantly moving and you saw them like going through um just different places and stuff so it made the scene feel one more realistic but also too it made it feel like it was going by very fast even though it was a long scene there it was a sign behind jenny when she backs up to the door that normally reads remember to back up your files which i think is hysterical but Uh angel angelus had tweaked it and it says remember to hack up your files Oh, no. Which I know, right? Very serial killer-esque. But yeah, okay. And also, I just want to say, you can tell that Angelus is not up to date on all the trends and all how computers work because he, mm-hmm. like, burns the computer and is all like, okay, well, that's it. Never going to see that again. Like, he was there when she pulled out the floppy disk, you know? Uh, sure. So, you know, he, yeah. if he was somebody that was actually up to date on all that yeah. stuff, I feel like he would have looked for it. But I it. think that's realistic because, like, Oh, it totally he's, is. Like he's living in a cave by himself. I don't think he's right. ever <laughs> sent an email in his life. Like, um, no, right. And I know I mentioned like earlier that like I was going to point out like a scene that like really like kind of resonated with me when it comes to lighting. And so when he knocks over the um, computer, yeah. it catches on fire, which is like when you think of passion, it's like burning fire, mm-hmm. like burning like passion. And so as he bends over and he puts his hands over to kind of like warm his hands in a kind of psychopathic way, um, <laughs> it like so his his face kind of like turns down to look at his hands and as soon as he looks up, he's in vamp face. Yeah. Which is such a cool, like, I don't know, it, it's such a cool like transition because it's yeah. like he looks at it and then now he <laughs> has like his vamp face yeah. well and it's also even more chilling when you think about the fact that vamp vampires can only die by a few things. right and, and fire is one of them fire right fire is probably the quickest way to kill them um actually well probably staking is but then like probably fire and so the fact that he has no fear and mm-hmm. just like sitting there and just kind of being like Ooh, fire. he's a psychopath yeah. yeah like it's showing that he like he doesn't have 
fear over death because he Mm -hmm. views it as something he can control. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then we have this chase scene and then we have what we talked about earlier with the light. It was incredibly creepy because you see Miss Calendar running and he's just like his face. It's dark light, dark light with his Mm -hmm. vamp face. And then also you have it's incredibly dark. And then she finally gets to that one door, breaks it open, and it's very bright. And you're almost have this sense of oh okay she may finally found a door that's open yeah. maybe she's gonna escape right. she even goes up those stairs angels missing you don't know where he is and you're thinking hey she made it and then she's plunged into darkness yeah. again and he appears well, and i think that what's really cool about this is, is we've talked about the contrast between gold and blue in the show and how blue yep. a lot of times represents like soulless and evil and like gold is kind of like the redeeming warm and, yeah yeah and i love the fact that when he kills her it's literally like their figures light, like lit up by the moon and they're black and all that you see behind them is just blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, you know, it was a very intimate pose that they were into where he's mm-hmm. holding her and, you know, when he snaps her neck, he kind of like raises his hands up and, you know, the look on his face is very, um, you know, static, like ecstasy almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Almost like he gets off on it. Exactly. Yep. Oh, well, uh, obviously, yes. Uh, I think any psychopath, the only reason why they do it is because they enjoy it. Yeah. Um, But like this scene, like I'm, I kind of slightly mentioned it earlier, but I kind of like wanted to wait until we actually saw it happen. But like, I just think it's really chilling that he just doesn't drink her. He just like snaps her next because he wants to use the body for how innocent it'll look if it's not like bloody. Yeah. The fact that he snaps her neck just shows and didn't drink from her. It just shows that he was in it for the pleasure yeah. for, of it, for the thrill for the of the chase, of mm-hmm. for the thrill of seeing Buffy's face when she found out. It was not because he was hungry, it, which is just so twisted. Um, when Joss wrote this episode, well, okay, when he rewrote the episode mm-hmm. or whatever. When he, he edited it. Yeah, he edited it. He, there was a lot of debate on how Jenny should die because they talked about having her being drunk from. And Joss was very much like, no, she needs to have her neck snapped or something to show like what we just talked about that yeah. Angel wasn't um, wasn't doing because he was hungry. But then there was also another debate about whether he should do it in his angel face or Angela's face or his vampire face. And Joss felt very strongly it should be his vampire face because they're trying to make the distinction between Angelus and Angel. But also he's like, I need everyone to still like Angel after this. Mm-hmm. And I need them to... Um, hope that he's going to have some sort of redemption there needs to be some tension so that buffy doesn't kill angel because there is very real emotion just be like well just kill him you know but you want like you still need to be like oh but it's angel there like you don't want to just kill angel yeah Yeah. and i think that i love the fact that she didn't die from like a vampire sucking her blood because it's more realistic like you can die from your neck snapping but you can't really die from a vampire you know sucking your blood out yeah and so i like that her death is a realistic way to die because it makes the death itself feel more realistic yeah i I don't remember tabby leah did you guys ever take latin in high school no but Um, mom gave us latin lessons no it wasn't mom it was from our um our (laughs) co-op oh my gosh Because I know David and I took Latin. And first of all, I have to say, I cringe every time I hear Angel saying his Latin because he's all like, 
formatia trans sicura and, and i'm like well, none that's of that is the that right is, way to yeah. say that but even funnier is that's actually like not how you say that phrase in latin <laughs> so in the english translation they have it wrong but when it's been dubbed over in italian they have a um the actual phrase in there which i thought was kind of hilarious but yeah every time he says that i'm like okay no just stop (laughs) so we pan back over to buffy's house and giles comes in because he needs to get the book back from willow that she um borrowed from his calendar yeah well he wants to do the spell in his house now that they've done it for willows and buffy's because it would look weird if he's in these girls rooms doing the spell right so yeah but he's like oh yeah i need to do my apartment tonight and we're all like Mm, too late the scene between them before we get to the really happy stuff the scene between them actually really kills me (laughs) yeah because like he's like oh like maybe i should you know talk to buffy's mom about you know them having like sex and all this stuff and um (laughs) i was like yeah that's a good idea what would you say and they both kind of stand there. And he's like, and he's like, I think I would go. She's like, yeah, that'd be for the best. Well, before that, she's like, not sure if he knows about sex. And he's yeah. literally on his way home to go have sex. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I think it's funny because in his brain, okay, maybe I just like, I really understand Giles' nonverbal language because my dad does the exact same thing. Yeah, such a five. He didn't say anything, but he just sits there and he's just like, huh? All right. So then we have this really touching moment between Buffy and Joyce. And I feel like this is just so real. The way that Joyce responds is very much as a mom should respond when she says, you know, he's too old, Buffy. And, you know, and Buffy's all like, well, he's superstitious. That's why we use the herbs and other things like that. Um, And Joyce is just like, I'm disappointed in you. I thought you'd use more judgment. And Buffy's like, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And you know, Buffy feels the weight. Um, And Joyce hasn't seen that. But Joyce is like, you know, I need to tell you these things because I'm your mom. And that's just that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And Joyce hasn't been around to see her feeling the weight and effects at this yeah. point. And I just I think that you can tell that even though Joyce is upset and mad, like she still wants to cover the basics of being like, were you being safe? Are you OK now? Like and so it's like even though, yes, she's angry and, you know, acting out like she still is caring for Buffy. And yeah. I just I think she's a good mom for that. Yeah, I love the how it ends. She's like, whew, so that was the talk, huh? And she's like, I had to go. go. And she's like, I don't know. It was was my my first. first. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, but just so cute that they end on a positive note. That's like, ladies and gents, take note. That is how conflict is done. You... You come to some sort of resolution and you you talk things out, you hash things out, even if they're hard, but they usually help in bringing you closer together with whoever you're talking about yeah. if done right. Um, and I just think this is a really beautiful moment between Buffy and with Joyce. Yeah. So, so Giles gets home and we have... Um, and they have a happy night and then the episode ends. Yeah. <laughs> this scene just like kills me because like. The detail. We know yep. what's about to happen. Yep. Yeah. But like he doesn't. And so it's like watching it from this perspective of just. It's just so sad. Like he walks in. Angel set up this whole thing for him. Like roses, the music, like him, the little letter that says to go upstairs. And then it's like, you see him get like happier. He fixes his hair. Yeah. Like, he has the he's, wine like, bottle up, in his yeah, hand. Yeah. Like he's like walking up the stairs and like his face drops when he sees her. But just like the note that says upstairs, it's just like in like nice cursive. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, the flower petals, the candles, just and even the music that's on the record player and it crescendos at that moment. I mean, the music is Piccini and it's literally two lovers singing um, and it's the song is called Oh, Lovely Girl. Uh, it's just, I mean, Angelus is very devious. And I I looked up what Anthony had had to say about this particular moment. And um, an interviewer asked him, how did it feel to do the scene where Giles discovers Jenny Callender's body? And he says, Joss is a genius. I thought it might be better if we didn't see Jenny killed when Angel chases her. Then um, that we might leave it over the commercial break. Did he or didn't he? Then you would see someone entering my apartment and think it was Jenny. And then you would get to the big revelation. You're like, oh, my God, she's dead. But Joss knew the audience's discomfort would be that much increased knowing that Jenny was up there waiting for him. Mm. And it really builds tension when you know exactly what's waiting for Giles. And every little like joy that he feels is a moment of sorrow for us. Like he picks up the wine. He's like, oh, nice vintage. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's just terrible for us. Yeah, and we look at all of these these little things, the candles, the rose petals, like everything, the music, and if we didn't know that Jenny was already dead, we'd be like, oh, so like sweet. Jenny did this, but knowing that Angelus did all of this, it just, you're just looking at it going, oh my it gosh. It. Yeah, so I, I love that he says like what he wanted and then it would just it, and you're just like, yeah, the way that they decided to do this was really clever and very like and heartbreaking in the most agonizing and sense. And I think what's sad too is that it cuts from his face watching her body to him outside. And it's just like that yeah. immediate transition of him being in a state of shock that to him it felt that fast. Yeah. Of like, he probably doesn't even remember calling the police. He probably doesn't re- even remember any of it because he's just right. re- in reaction mode. Right. And another thing I've, I found interesting about that scene is, uh, you know, the police captain comes up to him and says, oh, we need to take you mm-hmm. in. He says, oh, right. Procedure. He's and grounding himself. Exactly. Giles is that type of person who falls back on procedure. Yep. Yes. You know, as like his foundation. Mm-hmm. And Giles mm-hmm. is a very like systematic person. So procedure is probably a comfort to him at that point. Yeah. He's like, okay, something familiar, something right. I know. What's the next thing you do in this? Okay, you make a phone call. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was his lifeline. That was yeah. what he was grasping on. And onto. I think this next scene at Buffy's Ooh, house to gosh. me is sadder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just because like, both Sam Michelle Geller and um, Allison Hannigan's acting in this scene is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Allison like, Hannigan really killed it in that scene. Yeah, and she's just, not even the focal point of the yeah, scene. Yeah, but they both show pain and shock in two different ways. You see yep. Buffy, who is experiencing a different level of pain than Willow because she feels responsible. And so you see her just in shock and she just is like silently crying and just like falls to the ground. And then you see Willow who just is like upset and like can't comprehend what's going on. I think like that's a like great point, Leah. And to like, kind of like piggyback on that, I viewed it similarly. Like Sarah Michelle Geller is more of like the, she feels the weight of it. And then Alison Hannigan is more the innocence of it where she's like, what? I can't believe this happening. It's more like hysterical. Whereas Buffy's just like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, like I don't know. How do I? She's kind of shouldering a lot of the pain. So she's kind of like, I don't know. It feels more like performative. She's trying to hold it in a little bit more, but she's really shocked. Well, she's, in that moment, realizing I have to kill Angel. I should have killed yep. Angel. Yep. I caused this. Right. Like all, she's just feeling the guilt of it all. But also, 
it's interesting because this episode is very much from Angel's point of view, where he he lets us see these things from his vantage point. And the fact that you don't hear everything is just, it's really terrifying. The In the script, they have the actual words that they were saying. So Willow and Buffy are talking about Buffy's talk with her mom. And Willow says, so was it horrible? And Buffy says, it wasn't too horrible. Phone rings. She says, hello. Giles says, Buffy. She says, Giles, hey, we finished the spell. And he says, Jenny, Miss Calendar, she's been killed. And Buffy says, what? And he says, it was Angel. Then she drops the phone. And then Giles says, Willow, Angel's killed Jenny. And then Joyce runs in and says, Willow, my God, Buffy, what's wrong? Has something happened? So I mean, like, obviously not stuff that we necessarily needed to hear, but I just think it's interesting how you, you can kind of, you can you get all of that just from their faces. It's just really, really smart the way they decided to do that instead of having that moment of us being in there with them experiencing it. Yeah, sometimes I'm a little critical of Joss Whedon because uh, I feel like sometimes he overuses witty dialogue, but sometimes he has a really good notion of like when to show rather than tell. And this was definitely one of those times where, you know, the the acting and the, the facial expressions speak much more than any dialogue could mm-hmm. have in a scene. Yeah, I just like I think it's really telling of Angelus's character that he decided to observe Buffy's reaction and not Giles' reaction. Ooh, he that's went, a good point. He went to Buffy's house where he's like, "I'm gonna see how it affects her." Yeah, this is all for yep. Buffy. This has nothing to yeah. do with Giles. Like, um, yes, like um, Jenny was gonna restore his soul, but like mm. he was like, "I'm gonna go watch how it's affecting her because she is like my prey, my goal." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because it looks like he was going to kill Joyce, but Buffy was at the house. Yeah. You wonder if they hadn't done the spell, what would have oh, happened? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I so I think Jenny was his plan B. I think he was going to kill Jenny anyway, but I think Joyce was going to be his trophy. Mm-hmm. Jenny was just collateral. But he was like, okay, we're just going to combine. And that's why he's like two stones. I He came to the school to destroy the computer and Jenny was there pretty much. So... Yeah, so the Cordelia Xander show up, and Cordelia has like buttloads of crosses and garlic all inside her car. <laughs> um, and they're worried for Giles because he's not at the station. And Buffy knows instantly. She's like, "We we have to check his house. You know, he something's wrong." So at Giles' house, it just this shot. Okay, so this episode, there are tons of one shots all throughout the episode you have some that were like 50 seconds long like in the library it's a continuous shot this one um is just a beautiful shot you go up from the bed which has been completely stripped going down the stairs the trampled rose petals the burned out candles and then you see the record player which is still kind of scratching and the chest is open giles is pacing back and forth like gathering things and then he grabs that can of gasoline puts it on top and his face is just dead it's cold and he looks terrifying and i think he's kind of resolved himself to the fact of like if i die i die yeah and i think think he's okay with dying at this point as long as he just accomplishes something he avenges her in some way yeah i think yeah i really think he believes it's a suicide mission he's okay with that Mm -hmm. yeah and then the camera it ends with the picture of jenny Mm -hmm. and i think leah you mentioned it is just interesting how her her face is angled and her neck is angled to show that there isn't puncture wounds on her neck Mm -hmm. it's just just a very deliberate choice on angel's part see look i didn't even give her the courtesy of like drinking her you know like yeah or like i um 
I didn't even take sport on myself by drinking her. I just snapped her neck because I just wanted to. Like I didn't even care about her. Yeah. 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 She was of no use to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, so they come to the house or Giles house, the gang. And (sighs) yeah. This scene. Oh, Xander, baby. I I know I bash on Xander, but oh my gosh, screw this guy in the scene. Yeah. The fact that this guy has the nerve to sit there when Buffy and Willow are both mourning and in pain. And I'm sure like Xander is in pain as well in some way because he's affected by this as too. So I can excuse some of it by him reacting because because he's upset. But he like literally has been on Buffy since day one mm-hmm. about Angel and has been very unkind about it because he cares He's for just her. so smug in this one. And it's like, okay, dude, this isn't about you. You're making it about yourself and exactly. your opinions. Like, yeah, you may be right, but like, this is not the time to rub everybody's nose. Nobody wanted you to be right. You yep. shouldn't have wanted to be right. Like, He says, let's try not to forget that I hated Angel well before everyone jumped on the bandwagon. I deserve points for not having told you so earlier. Yep. It's just like the most immature thing to say because like the person that Buffy loved is literally gone at this point. And now someone else who's probably the worst villain that they faced to this moment has every single information about her, her friends, her family, and is now ruining her life and everyone else's. Mm-hmm. She's bearing the burden of that. Um, Willow is mourning everything because her and Miss Calendar were close. Giles is now putting himself on the line and everything like that. And the only thing Xander has to say is, I told you so. Yeah. His sentiments aren't wrong. Yes, Angel Angelus should die. You know, he's now become a liability and he's dangerous to everyone. But the way that he goes about it and inserting himself into that is just totally inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I do like what he says, though. You know, um, these were his good weapons, the ones he breaks out when company comes to call, which, you know, is a funny because it has like double meaning and everything. But in Xander's, you know, in a small defense of Xander, you know, his friend Jesse died from a vampire. So I understand where he's coming from, but it's no excuse for yeah. being just a punk about it. And I understand his hate for vampires. I totally do. But yeah. what angers me about this episode is not his hate for Angel. It's his lack of concern for his friends. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really what I hate about this episode. And I just, I love the fact that Buffy is standing there while one of her best friends is just saying some really awful, ugly things to her. And all she has to say is like, you're right, but the one who's going to bear the brunt of this is now Giles. Yeah. So in the warehouse, Spike is like, you idiot. You are like not thinking straight. Yep. And now you're going to have an incredibly, yeah. he says, brassed off Slayer. Yep. And Angelus is like, ah, I've got everything under control as a Molotov cocktail just like explodes. Yep. And this is, okay, this yep. is hilarious what happens. I will her. say that like, I love seeing this side of Giles. I know Mm -hmm. he's in pain. I know it's like, (laughs) but like, it's really cool to just see him like not hold back and just be Mm -hmm. like, I don't care what happens to me. Something will happen to you. Yeah. And sometimes the fight scenes in Buffy can be a little slapstick, like kind of funny. And there's witty dialogue and, you know, and they're, you know, a little like lighthearted. But the way that Giles comes in, he like 
throws a Molotov cocktail, yeah. grabs his torch, lights it on fire, and just beats mm-hmm. the heck out well, of Well, first he shoots him yeah, exactly. in a very, very close to the heart. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, geez, whatever happened to wooden stakes? And Giles is like, I think he says something like, it's it's not painful enough or yeah. something. It's too quick. And I also just like the fact that it's realistic. Like a lot of times in superhero stuff or whatever, there's always like the witty dialogue and blah, blah, blah. And they're fighting and you're just like, why are you wasting time? Just kill him. But I like the fact that Giles is no nonsense. He knows he's at a disadvantage. And so he just goes for what he has, which is surprise. Yeah. Well, he's ballsy. Like went in, there's three vampires there, two of which are the most fearsome vampires known yet. And just wails on him. But I think it it was really convenient for Giles that like Spike hates Angelus because he just was like, no, 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 Drew. Yeah, he holds her back. Because he's just like, well, let's go get some lunch. You know, I am living like, for the pettiness between Spike and oh, Angelus. Absolutely. You know, Spike's over there like, please kill him. Please kill him. <laughs> yep. He's like, well, they'll be fine. It's so, like Giles was really, it was he really was convenient die. for him because yeah. he would have literally died within an instant yep. if all three of them were yep. ganged up against him. And I love the fact that Buffy comes in, she fights for Giles and like she's whipping angel yep. like she's beating him yeah. to a pulp and i think that this is the first time buffy's fighting angelus and not holding back yeah because she in her mind it is now either angel or or it's not angel but it's either angelus or it's giles, giles. and yeah. she's chosen giles yeah and so i think that she's fighting now with the intent to kill which I'll say this, I was impressed by Sarah Michelle Geller's flexibility. She mm-hmm. is a kick in there where her, like a, f- a front kick where her foot is like over her head. And I was like, dang, girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can tell and that her she face really, was like, in it too. So, you know, it was yeah, her. exactly. She really put a lot into it behind the scenes. You can tell like by her stance that she's doing a lot of Taekwondo and she's really like, she's black she's belt. practicing a lot. Yeah. You can tell by the way that she moves. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. She has taken kickboxing, jujitsu, and she's also, um, it was an impressive figure skater too. Like she, yeah, she was very qualified for the role, but it's, it makes it that much more realistic for the viewer when she's doing these stunts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they, that's the reason why they had a lot of the fight scenes, like kind of, shouldered around what she could do um which makes it more enjoyable to watch like like i we keep bringing it back to like vampire diaries but like <laughs> <laughs> the it's, show, it's the not, not bad we're trying not to know bash it I it's just, just a, it's the yeah. closest it's to just, it i i the oh i hate that they have the vampires have like super speed because they'll it's the easiest cop out because they'll have them yeah. one well they have that in twilight too yeah like they have them fast. in one spot and they go and then they bring them over and then they like shove someone against the wall i'm like man whatever happened to like the good old like like finding and having choreography and stretching yeah. and like actually trying to do your own stunts because later on sarah michelle geller does like most of her stunts as the seasons go on well, I mean, she does she does a handful of them, but yeah, she she definitely you know works hard to do um, as much as she can, and it's still very impressive. Yeah, so, um, well, you know, Angel's like, hey, you're gonna let your watcher burn up, and he like picks her up and pushes her over the scaffolding to kind of like help her, but so he can get away. Yeah, such a jerk. But I like the fact that like you can tell like. Angel needed her to be distracted in order to save himself. Seriously. And I like that it kind of put a fire under his butt by being like, hey, like she can kind of kick your butt. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and she gets him out and he says, this wasn't your fight. And he's like on the verge of tears and she just hits him just kind of to snap him out of it. Well, because he's shoving her away because he wants to go back in. Yeah. Yep. But this also reminded me of Prophecy Girl. Yeah. The other time where he was going to sacrifice himself yep. for her. Yep. And she had to slap him and kind of knock him out there too. But this time, like, which is sad because the other time it was she left him with Jenny Calendar. Mm-hmm. But this time, like... She just kind of slaps him and she's like, I need you here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for this moment in particular, um, so Anthony Stewart Head again was asked if he had a favorite moment. Um, And he says, you know, he loves the dark age, that episode, but he said he loved passion. He says, Joss's feeling is that you shouldn't push the emotion. The tears welling up is enough. The tear rolling down the cheek is too much. You have done the work for the audience and the audience can move on. Another example in passion, after I have assaulted Angel, I come out sobbing. It was a dry sob. I was basically a man who was just spent of his emotion at the end of his rope. They turned the sound down a little and muted it. A number of people on the set who saw them scene actually had to walk away way because they said it was really embarrassing watching it a grown man sobbing they found the moment almost too powerful you don't want to take the audience out of the story you want to keep them with you you don't want to turn them off and he says joss walks a very fine line but i have to say i take my hat off to him he's a very sharp cookie mm. and <laughs> i mean like it's true though he understands human emotion and in, in that moment like you can see the emotion on his face without having to like hear it, you know? Yeah. Like um, what Buffy says when she's like holding him, she's like, you can't leave me. You're going to get yourself killed. Yeah. I need you. Mm-hmm. But yep. I think it also brings him back from that reality of like, yes, Jenny Calendar was his world and he loved her and all this stuff. But like there are other people in his life that need him yeah. and want him. Yes. And I think he needed to hear that. Yeah. Because in a way he was almost suicidal. Yeah. And this was her being like, people still need you. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Keep fighting. And that's kind of what Giles lives for. He lives to be needed and he lives to like to help. And so it was probably really powerful for him right then when he was experiencing such a profound loss is like, oh, but people still need me. Like I still need to be here for somebody. Yeah. Well, and I think it was powerful too that it was Buffy because Buffy's also lost someone that night too. Absolutely. And I think the scene was originally wrote as the whole gang was supposed to be there and they cut them out and just had that moment between the two of them. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then the theme starts playing again. So just to, you know, rip out your heart. And it shows him moving on with his life. He goes back and tears down the tape over his home. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, so not to pull us out of this beautiful moment, but they have Jenny Calendar's headstone. And it's very, like, she, her uncle told her that that was not her real name. Or she knows it's not her real name. So I'm like, okay, why would they bury her in Sunnydale when she's not from Sunnydale? And why would they put her fake name on there? I think it might be partially because... They're angry. At They're angry. Her. And in all honesty, I think that Giles kind of became her family. But not only that, but I like Sunnydale has buried more people than they can ever count in like a weekend because yeah. people like vamps kill everyone all the time. Demons kill everyone all the time. Like random stuff happens all the time where they're like, oh, well, let's look at the roster. What was her name? Uh, Jenny Calendar. All right. Let's slap her inside here. And then that's it. You know? But, um, yeah, being a mortician in Sunnydale would be lit. Like, you just, yeah, <laughs> he's like sitting up there in his, you know, millionaire. Your worst job, though, would security be like guard. graveyard security. Yep. Oh You'd have gosh, one yeah. night shift and then you're dead. <laughs> They're like, man, we're going through these security guards. They just like leave. Yeah. I wonder why. They're they have to like puncture ones like, and they're not pay your, like, they're like millionaires for like a day because they have to pay them so much because no one wants to do the job. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it could be that they couldn't contact her family. And so they just had to bury her there. But, 
Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So Giles says, in all my years as a watcher, I've buried many people, and Jenny was the first I've loved. Yeah, and I love what Buffy says. She says, I'm sorry I couldn't kill him for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't ready. And then we have now her voice over to close out the episode as we show everyone moving on. Um, you see Willow subbing, and Buffy says, I wasn't ready, but I think I finally am. I can't hold on to the past. Angel's gone, and nothing's going to bring him back. And as soon as she says that, the disc falls. Yeah. Yep. And wedges in between yeah. two different discs. Yep. So it's like, is that going to be used later? Or is that going to be something that was like, I wish someone knew about right. this. Yep. And yeah. so it's like, we'll wait and see and find out. But it's almost heartbreaking either way. You yeah. Know? Yeah, either way, because no we matter can't what go back. Pain. Yep, exactly. So... Well, that was it. That was passion, you guys. And that was a lot. I hope you all enjoyed it. And thanks, David, for joining us. I know this is a lot and kind of a deeper episode. <laughs> a very heavy episode. We got I very sidetracked a few times, too. Yeah. <laughs> we apologize. It was always fun hearing somebody else's perspective, but especially a guy's, because I think mm-hmm. this this episode in particular, when it comes to relationships, it's just good to get perspective from the other side. But Yeah, yeah you know, guys, they'll always uh, kill people closest to you. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. No, thanks, guys. You can find us on Instagram at Becoming Buffy Podcast. Um, you can also email us at Becoming Buffy Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you love passion and what your favorite moment was. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Or but, your least favorite moment. <laughs> yeah, your least favorite moment, right? I, I can guess a couple. But yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>